I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. It's been a bit of a wait, but we are finally back for episode 32 of Crash Couch. I'm your host, Chris McGuffin, and you may be listening to us for the first time because, as you heard at the start, our show is now being posted on the GonaGeek.com podcast network. GonaGeek graciously accepted us as part of their extensive network of shows, and we're very happy to be able to spread our love of the expanse to a brand new audience. In case you are a first time listener, though, the Crash Couch is a podcast I've been hosting since 2017 discussing the formerly sci-fi now amazon television show the expanse which is based off the novel series of the same name written by james s.a Corey. now if you've never seen or read the expanse before stop what you're doing and go do that right now <laughs> i can't recommend them highly enough uh, many people call it the game of thrones of modern sci-fi and definitely for good reason i've been a fan since the show first started airing and I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. It's been an absolute blast. And even though we haven't caught up with the books quite yet, I do know that people who have read them say that they haven't been let down by them just yet, and I don't expect them to ever be let down by them either. The first three sci-fi seasons are currently available to stream on Amazon if you're interested, with season four airing there later this year. Uh, Note that this podcast does primarily discuss the show Uh, But there are some episodes dedicated to the books that we will occasionally do as well. So uh, I I would like for you to stick around regardless, but uh, because we do have some very interesting discussions on here. But if you do just want book discussion, there are episodes available for you. But like I said, this is pretty much just about the show. Now, for this specific episode of the pod, I'm going to be joined shortly by my co-hosts, Ernie, Laura, Joel, and Ian, to talk about our expectations for the Expanse moving forward with Amazon as we get closer to season four. About an hour or so in, the conversation is going to switch to a discussion of the latest book in the series that Joel recorded on his own show called The Sci-Fi Pubcast with his co-hosts, Derek and Carrie. Please note that it is very much a spoiler-filled discussion there So if you aren't reading the books or you haven't got to that one yet, be sure you turn this episode off when we get there. Also, if you do want to go back and re-listen to old episodes of the podcast, please keep in mind that we have gone through some changes since the very beginning uh, with hosting and, and whatnot and format changes. So make sure you keep that in mind as you go back and listen to the very first episode of The Crash Couch. But with all that being said, I think that is all the housekeeping that I have for the time being. So without further ado, let's get started. So as I said before, I have the whole crew here for the very first time for this episode of The Crash Couch. And it's unfortunate that we're not talking about the season four premiere this time. We have a a little while to wait for that. Uh, Also, if you you are listening and you hear children in the background... uh, (laughs) Don't fear, like, don't think that you have kids in your own house. Uh, that is just uh, one of my co-hosts, Ian. Ian, how are you? I know he's muted. I'm good. Sorry, I was just yelling at my kids. I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're, just, they're just being kids. Um, 
I'm good. I'm good. Um, I am. I'm super excited. Uh, Number one to just be talking to all of you Um, and actually having this like round table, like the whole cruise here, which is super cool. Um, Super duper pumped for the next season of The Expanse. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Somebody else (laughs) do an introduction. I've got my youngest crying now. All right. Uh, Let's just go down the line. Uh, Joel. Joel, how are you? I'm excellent. Joe Walsh from the Sci-Fi Pubcast, and I'm here, and it's, uh, well, let's just say I had too much to drink last night, went on a pub crawl, shockingly, <laughs> and now I'm up and I'm talking about The Expanse. Life is good. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, um, I, I love how you got, like, the first thing you mentioned was your other podcast. <laughs> yeah, just in case. <laughs> Essential plug. <laughs> I'm a jerk. I get that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that other voice you heard is Laura. Laura, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm Laura from this podcast. <laughs> That's it. And the internet. <laughs> I think that is valid. This podcast and the internet. That's the only way yeah. that I know you is the internet and this podcast. I mean, yeah, you've, had some pretty solid, you've had some pretty solid cast retweets from yeah. interactions. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're sort of Twitter famous in the expanse yeah. world. I mean, you can be like our... Our shoe-in, just get all the cast members to love you and then invite them to the show. There you go. Yes. I had, um, at one point during the last season, I made a joke about how I was just going to, I was done with Earth and I was going to leave and I was going to join the behemoth. And um, Dominique was like, yeah, come join us, girl. And I was like, oh, I'm on my way. <laughs> so, I think we're best friends now. Yes. Don't, no, plus. we're not. Don't. <laughs> She's not gonna hear this, but just my luck should be like, no, we're not. <laughs> I don't know her. You never know. You never know who, who's listening to this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Ernie Garcia. Ernie, how are you? I am doing well. I have been a guest on the Sci-Fi Pubcast. Uh, also, I love being on this show, and I am so excited to talk about our predictions for next season. Yeah, like Yay. I said, it's it's really nice to see all five of us here. I think, like I said, the only time we've had, I think, four was at the premiere episode of season three. And then I think we had maybe three or four at another time. But otherwise, it was sort of just like a, a mix, mixture of all of us. Yeah. Yeah. But last season was sort it's of crazy. We're going to realize it's like, or it's, we're going to realize it's like horrible with all five of us. Probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I be like, oh, this is horrible. Probably. Uh, but you know what? We'll just have to have to deal with it. It's fun when when you have a lot of different voices. I agree. It's It's better than just having like two people talking back and forth about nonsense. Or just one person talking oh, God, to themselves. Yeah. I, I listen to some podcasts. There's, like, I think, like two that's predominantly one person. And they have like a producer in studio to like bounce ideas off of. But it's predominantly one person. And surprisingly, oh. they can they can handle themselves rather well. But there's been other times when it's just been unbearable. Yeah. Like, I, can't, I can't finish the episode <laughs> of what it is. I can, I can see it going well, but I... I'm imagining myself in that position, and it's bad. Yeah, same. So let's talk about uh, sort of what we expect from Season 4 of The Expanse uh, without going into spoilers, because, again, this is 
for new for new listeners, this is predominantly a discussion of the TV show. Um, let's sort of talk about. I'll let each of you uh, talk about what your experience has been with the Expanse so far in terms of where you're at with with the books and the series. Uh, personally, I've not read any of the books. I've started Leviathan Wakes before the show came out. And as I got into it, that's when they announced that the show was coming out. And I was like, well, I'd rather would watch it uh, first than read the book first. Uh, so I waited. And I have up to book four. I own them, but I've not read them. So I'm strictly only on, on the books, just mainly for this, this podcast. But uh, off the books, onto the show. Uh, Ernie, what about you? Where are you at? Uh, I'm kind of the same as you, Chris. I haven't read the books. I only started watching The Expanse last season. Um, however, once I actually got into it, I was really addicted and probably <laughs> watching four episodes a night. Um, I, I remember the first time I actually felt really, really welcomed into the fandom was when I tweeted out that I started watching it and I was already on like ep- episode eight. And um, somebody responded with the hashtag screaming firehawks and i was like i i understand that reference and i i know what what that means and that's when i really actually felt welcome um and i forgot where i was going with this chris i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good fandom it, I it's like a great fandom pop up and they're like why aren't more people watching this and then everyone comes out like one of us <laughs> just like come join yeah. us like we're all over here in our corner and i i jokingly mentioned it on my podcast with ian that uh it just so happened that i got into the expanse when they canceled it on sci-fi uh so i uh was panicking because i loved the show so much that i was just like yeah of course this would happen to me as i'm watching it like um so (laughs) there's that But, I kind of expected it since it was, you know, a good sci-fi show. And that's yeah, we got a track record thing, of that. The thing, though, that was so amazing is how the cast and crew pulled together. And not only that, the fans. Uh, the thing that still amazes me to this day is the fact that they put up the money for a, um airplane banner. And, you know, hearing the, the response and even just how the cast... And crew were dancing when they found out that the expanse was saved. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got, I got emotional. So I, I'm very proud to be part of this fandom. Um, hey guys, I'm sorry. I have to step away for a second. I, I'm sorry. Too emotional. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'll be right back. Laura, what about you? Thinking about it. Oh God. Uh, same. Um, I've read most of the books i haven't read the latest i've just been a little uh short on time but uh i started reading before the show came out before i knew the show was coming out i think i read up to like book three or four when i found out that a show was being made and so i got a little defensive i remember that when they're like, we're making a show out of it. And I'm like, this is my child. <laughs> if you mess with this. So I remember watching like all the casting news and all that. And it's really wild to see it now. Cause now when I read it, of course, 
I see the cast as the characters, like yeah. in my head. And I think it just went perfectly. So I even yeah. like wrote a paper about it for school, the adaptation <laughs> <laughs> and how it's a very good example of adapting a story across mediums. I am very into this show. Well, it's funny that you mentioned how good of an adaptation it is because when I was first reading the uh, first book, Leviathan Wakes, like I said, I only got a little ways into it. I got it, spoilers if you've, I don't know why you're listening to this if you've not seen the show. <laughs> We're not but... going to talk about the book, but now. <laughs> uh, but uh, when the uh, when the cant blows up at the beginning, yeah. um, that's how far I got in the in the book, and that's what the whole first episode is about. And I remember reading that part, and then going and seeing the pilot episode, and it all just it felt obviously familiar, but it felt like I was going to. Like, I felt like I already knew the characters on screen. Like, they matched perfectly. It's exactly what I felt in my head. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I felt the same uh, way. I'm also not a purist, either. It takes a lot of, like, different directions, but it's a different medium. So I think it took a lot of really good decisions yeah. with that. Yeah. So Ian, anyway, about... I'm Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Laura. Nice Hi. to meet you. Thanks. Uh, Ian, what about you? Um, so I got into The Expanse uh, the right before, about a month before the third season, when Chris was like, hey, man, I want to be a co-host on my podcast. And I was like, well, that sounds fun. And I was like, what's The Expanse? <laughs> and uh, and was like, oh, man, I got like I got I got to catch up here real quick. So I burned through seasons one and two. Um, and fell in love with the show. Absolutely fell in love with it. And then I went back to read. Um, after season three ended, I went back to read. I realized I thought I'd read uh, book three, but I haven't yet. So I need to read. Um, Ab or I need to read, not Abaddon's Gate. Yeah, yeah Abaddon's Gate. I need to read. Um, uh, so I've read the first two. Um, and yeah, uh, it's so I, I love the books. I think they're they're phenomenal. Um, really, really good reads. Quick reads. Um, and I think That's that true. the, the given how big they are. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? Yeah, um, they, they are big, but yeah, I, I read through them super quick. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to see if I can actually f finish out the whole series this summer, uh, which would be super cool. But I, I start a new job in in July that is going to allow, allow, allow me to have weekends back, which Ooh. would be nice. Um, so I am going to try and just... Uh, number one, take the bus to work more, and I'll have weekends, so I'm just going to try and, and scream through the whole thing. Um, and Yeah, so I, I'm in love with this show. Um, I think it's fantastic. I'm super stoked for season four. Uh, we'll get into theories here pretty soon, but that's kind of how I was brought into this this show. Um, I, I totally fell in love with the fandom, and, and seeing how the cast and crew uh, totally loved the show, too, and just the whole movement to get it saved by Amazon was... was uh, super fun to be a part of and then when it actually happened it was like wait what yeah <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so used to disappointment um, <laughs> I guess I'm so used to disappointment that I was I was ready like it was almost like it happening was a, the disappointing thing because I was so ready I was so ready to just for it to not happen that it happened and I was like oh wait I was supposed to be disappointed but now I'm happy what yeah I'm disappointed that I'm happy I remember waking Didn't... up the morning that they had announced it 
and I was so excited. Well, granted, I was, I, I sort of expected it. Like I didn't have any, like any inside information, but I just I saw the reaction from the fans and from the cast and the crew and really everyone involved. And there were you know some some rumblings about it being picked up by Amazon anyways, but um, or it being a possibility. So I sort of not totally like 100% like confirmed that it was going to happen, but I just had a a little feeling because this fandom has been great, not only to this podcast, but great just in general. It's very accepting. Um, I've seen little to no drama from it, which is surprising given the other fandoms that I've been a part of on the internet. It's my favorite part. This is is no drama. It's the best part. Um, It's also very like, it's welcoming in the fact that if you are um, like, if you're someone that is unfamiliar with the show and you're like, Hey, I need like a good sci-fi show to watch. I see this a lot on Reddit, especially people are like, Oh, you need to watch the expanse or uh, you need to read the books or something just because it's, it's so good. And you don't see like if, if it's star Wars, people's like, oh, y'all, you just need to watch the original trilogy. Don't even bother with the prequels or something stupid like that. Whereas if you want to get in the expanse, like you can read the books if you like books and don't like TV. Or if you don't like books, you can just go watch the TV show. And if you want to do both, you can do both. If you want to interact with the fans online and the cast, you can. It's it's very we're, – we're very, very lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. They got a board game now too. Yeah. Yeah, they do. You can just cover all avenues. Yeah. I like that I can kind of go out into the wild, too, and everyone I meet that recognizes it is instantly, like, a friend. So yeah. they're so right. excited. My uh, Twitch username is Naomi Nagata. Secured that one real <laughs> early, <laughs> a long time ago. And uh, every time I just, like, hop into a stream or something and start chatting – there's like at least one or two people that are like Beltalora. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm so... That's awesome. I even got to break the news to a couple people that I got renewed, and that was the best part of my day. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, did you have to go uh, wash up and get get rid of the tears, Ernie? No, I was uh, rewatching episode. Um... Of the last episode of the episode, I'm sorry, season three. <laughs> um, you know, I was going to point out something, too. Um, Kara G uh, is, has been a, a fan of The Expanse as well. That She tweeted a picture she was dressed as Naomi Nagata before she even got the role. Uh, so, I mean, just the fandom cool. is, is, is cool. super deep. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love them. Well, she, I mean, she, she talks about even in interviews, um, how she took the, the language pretty serious, but knew it somehow, you know, yeah. from reading the books and stuff. Right. Uh, she's a dedicated fan, but now on the show and she's one of the most badass characters ever. So yeah, yeah, she really is. Drummer, I think is one of the characters that is just universally loved. And I love that. Yeah. yeah. Drummer's pretty I've rad. never met anyone that's like, oh, I don't care for drummer. Like. <laughs> Of course you don't. And she had a <laughs> power last season too that really belt uh, brought the belt together, and uh, it was a pretty special speech, especially with the stomping in the background. Yeah, that was yeah. so, so cool. yeah, she's super the cool. recording of them like playing that at I think one of the Philly cons, and the audience started stomping along with it. 
I was oh, like, I'm so cool. mad I can't be there. But like, so cool. Dom's that's one of the things like, that I hear. And I, up. That's one of the things like, I hear, and I'm just like, it's so nerdy, and I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so, so nerdy, and it gets me so hyped. <laughs> Joel, where are you at in the uh, Expanse timeline? Well, I've, uh, of course, saw the TV shows numerous times, and I've, I'm actually caught up with the books. I've read all eight books, and I'm waiting for the ninth one to come out to finish the series off. Oh, you're like I, the captain of the ship. Yeah, just don't ask me into the details because my brain doesn't work like that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got into it uh, right when uh, the TV show started. I knew The Expanse was going to be a big thing. It got a lot of hype out of New York Comic Con. And so I knew I wanted to see it. And uh, me being me, I wanted to read the books and see the TV show at the same time or or whenever the, the new content came out. So that got me hooked. And I love it. I love The Expanse because, well, more realistic science, despite the fact that it's space opera. And I love space opera. And also, I just love uh, people being nasty to each other. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. In every it makes it makes for good. It makes for yeah, good stories. Explain some stuff. Makes for bad fandom. But for good stories. <laughs> no, no. no it, it's just it's you know there's it, a lot of hope, of course, but it's mostly humans being humans, uh, both the bad and the good. And in, in that sense, I'm always about realism and like the you know noir uh, type storytelling, and I really enjoy the expense. And I can't wait until right. Amazon actually goes to stage two of their expense plan. And they're they're apparently building some sort of theme park in Toronto uh, called Expanse Land, where you can go in and, and interact with all the Expanse characters, and it'd be great. And they're going to have like a bar, so you can go in and have a belt or two. Uh, uh, complete with a uh, zoo. <laughs> <Heading zoo. laughs> and lots of greenery. And phase, uh, in phase, three. <laughs> phase three. Phase three. They lock Bezos you in. His, yeah. And phase three is when infected. Bezos takes his space company and actually builds something in the in the belt. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I am also they'd, like, yeah. lock you in and then, like, just dose you with radiation and turns out you got infected at the door. And <laughs> this is too real! <laughs> I'm just like, Anyways. wow, what they a realistic that, experience. They do that for Halloween, <laughs> like okay? The the, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Halloween the experience. zombies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Uh, besides that, I'm, I, yeah, I... I'm from Canada, so it's kind of like my birthright to like the Expanse. They filmed it here, so they filmed yeah. in Toronto. So. I remember... I'm from Minnesota, so it's kind of like Canada. <laughs> kind of like Canada. <laughs> kind of, yeah. American Canada. <laughs> Joel, I remember back in the day, you used to be the social media guy for Crash Couch. You were our uh, our guru when it came to that. All oh, right, back when I did a lot of social media stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, the good old days. Let me have, let me pause here and have a drink just to remember the fond memories of uh, being the social media guy for sort of several different accounts, including the Crash Couch. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, you had. And to, actually, I was going to say you had to um, make sure everyone was being followed, and you kept up. You know, even just even if it was a tweet every week. It was it was something. So, yeah, kudos yeah. to you. And thanks, I appreciate that. I know you do mostly the screaming firehawks. Uh, I've been busy with work and, and life stuff, but uh, I'm trying to get back more active in the in the expanse community with the screaming firehawks. And uh, good on you, Chris, for keeping the show alive and talking about the expanse. Well, thank you. I'm 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 just glad that I was able to still have a, a nice little crew to to carry on into season three and now here into season four. Yeah. 
So what do you what do you guys think about Amazon? I mean, what what are some of your uh, I guess not necessarily predictions, but maybe your expectations um, moving forward, given that we're no longer one on sci-fi and two on network television. Right. Yeah. I think um, cable I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see if they keep the same kind of like proverbial rating, if you will. Um, or if they're going to be more accurate to the show. So there will be more language, you know, there will be, um, um, not necessarily more, there's really not much like sex and nudity and stuff like that in the books as far as, uh, in comparison to the show. So I don't really expect anything more in, in that realm. Um, all of the, all of the, uh, language like quota would go straight to a basarella. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Just maybe, give her maybe all get of to it. see her become a little bit more more accurate. <laughs> um, I think uh, you know, we, were, we were kind of joking about CGI earlier, but I mean the, the show has already got great CGI. But I'm interested to see if there's if there's any more uh, if there really is any more of a budget to put towards um, I don't know crazy looking stuff, especially considering we're going to literal new worlds. And it's yeah. next season. Um, so I'm pretty excited about it. We'll see what um, what they put into it as far as, yeah, just the, the production value goes. I'm curious how they're going to release episodes. Oh, yeah. If it's going to be right. weekly or... I would assume or, it's uh, weekly. That's, Amazon, that's usually how they do it versus yeah. Netflix or, or anybody else, really. Yeah. Yeah, something like an HBO Game of Thrones thing where they release a new episode every week, even though it's streaming. Yeah. Well, that would also, that's kind of a time honored tradition with the Screaming Firehawks, too, is live tweeting. Yeah. So. I remember um, one of the first things that I fell in love with about the show was being able to live tweet it. So. I do hope that they have the the weekly, uh, even if it's like it doesn't even have to be like a specific time of the night. Like I think I have confidence in the fandom. Let's say they decide to release the episode at let's say midnight on uh, Wednesday mornings or whatever. Yeah, uh, I have confidence that the the fandom will uh, not pick a time, but I guess sort of sort of find a way to, to live tweet it. And even if it's something that the, the cast has to do themselves about getting together and saying, Hey, let's pick, let's, if the episode releases on Wednesday, let's pick a night on Thursday where all of us are just sort of available to talk to the fans and, um, sort of rehash the old days of, of live tweeting with the TV show or the live yeah. airing. Um, yeah. I didn't think about think that. It'd... Yeah. That's, that'd be cool. Be nice too. If you can, kind of watch it first and then maybe watch it again for the live stream. Cause I know for live tweeting and stuff, I was kind of watching it fresh and I would always go back and watch it again. Cause I was like, ah, I missed a bunch of little things. So I was sitting there just like doing this and doing that. And it was a great time and I don't regret it. I'm not ever going to regret watching it twice. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do think, too, that it would be nice to have uh, that little buffer because I remember I, I had the pleasure of getting um, 
screeners for season two. And so I would watch watch the episode before it aired. We would record the podcast and then we would release it um, as soon as the episode had finished airing in Eastern time. And it was nice to be able to just have a straight, you know, reaction to myself without having to tweet about it or, you know, think about what I'm going to discuss on the podcast, like immediately. Right. If I had to, I could go back and, you know, watch it a couple times before the podcast. And then when we had the live tweeting, I mean, I sort of had a, an idea of what I was going to say and what I was going to tweet about, but it was, it's, it still felt like I was doing it in real time and watching it. And I would notice new things on like my second or third viewing that I didn't yeah. get on the first viewing. So I think that yeah. does help. Would be nice, yeah. Do we need to beg Amazon for screeners? <laughs> Do you start Please, Jeff. <laughs> I yeah, I have a question. Go directly to Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I have a question. Yeah, With this whole Amazon uh, you know, taking over the expanse, do you think uh, Jim Horton's going to get a new coffee machine? <laughs> yeah. I bet go. Uh, <laughs> no budget, sorry. Yeah, just yeah. saying. So, by the coffee might be better. So, um, yeah, just you know, it, that's more on the crew. We'll it's see. Important. We'll see. I'm tea. excited to see exploring new worlds and finding new kinds of coffee. To just like, <laughs> like boom, this new world's got this incredible coffee. You know, we got these new worlds coming out, but we still have Alex's home cooking that will always be consistent. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. The, the the cheese is soy. Yeah. But the love is real. <laughs> I want to get that embroidered on a pillow or something. There you go. You know, one of the things I'm looking forward to in season four, though, would be the politics, how that's all going to play out, because mm-hmm. the politics have been one of the shining stars in the show. It's It's been its own character in its own right. Yeah. And uh, now that it's becoming, as James Holden uh, put it, a bloody gold rush how the politics are going to work because it's all, uh, you know, territory that's been unexplored. And um, I, I just really wonder how much more tension that's going to add to the, the three factions that are trying to establish, you know, a civilization, but now having all these hundreds of windows to go through and um, who's going to claim what and who's going to fight over where. Yeah. And so the politics are just going to be really, really uh, intriguing to watch. Nothing yeah. more political yeah. than colonizing. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, uh, I uh, think the like epilogue of one of the books. I'm blanking. Second book. Anyway, um, third book. Christ, one of them. <laughs> I need to stop like focusing on these like little details. Uh, Avasarala goes into it, and I assume that you'll get to hear more about it in like the beginning of season four, where it's kind of a huge, huge concern for Earth and Mars that everyone's just kind of picking up and piecing out. <laughs> yeah. Because suddenly there's just all these worlds and everyone can abandon. Right. Because Mars isn't, is basically like, a military-based colony. They don't have a lot else right now because they're kind of using that to still try and terraform. But they're not there yet, and now everyone can abandon them for 
an actual world to live on. Yeah. So yeah, I imagine they're probably going to be the most aggressive about it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't, they got, I'm they got trying not to like spoil stuff too. Just like, oh I, yeah, I, I'm just sitting on the books and the knowledge I know is like, I'm just <laughs> keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. I'm right about the coffee, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and the petting and zoo. And tea, right? Yeah, yeah. there's some fun new pets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and let's not forget, we still have this portal monocle and uh, whatever killed the 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 gate builders. Because right. Around, oh, duh. I right? completely forgot so about the, that. The, yeah. And I don't want you even want to, to, to say certain names or terms because that's later on in the books. But uh, yeah. yeah, maybe, you know, humanity is at risk. Just saying. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, uh, and also uh, the, at the end of the last episode of season three, uh, there's a bit of with uh, the Port of Monocle, the investigator, uh, otherwise known as uh, Detective, Detective Miller, you know, and you know, is this plan? Is it is the protocol monocle? Did it plan to involve humanity for some purpose? And that hasn't been addressed in the books, but they actually asked the question at the end of the, the episode, and that's neat. So it's going to be really neat to see how the TV series deals with this these micro issues, uh, how differently they deal with it than say the books. Right. Can't wait. Yeah. Like it's this, a brave new world. Yeah, alien that kind of figured out all this insane technology and then someone killed them. Sort of like, who killed them? And are they still out there? Are they going to come yeah, back? They, don't, they yeah, don't sound just, like good people. I just say. All of a sudden, yeah, it's just going to be like, like jerks. It's just going to be the freaking Reapers from Mass Effect. Just seem like, what the heck? Like, all, like, all of a sudden, it's like two worlds colliding. Jot in out of dark space. Yeah. Oh. Uh, now I'm imagining that. I think another thing that Amazon could do with season four and moving forward is that you, you would imagine now that they're in it for the long haul and they're going to just do the whole series, which let's hope that that's the case. But... I think it will be interesting to see what other changes we will see from the books or that were not in the books that are in the TV show. Because, again, I've not read them, but there are a, a fair amount of, of differences between the books and the show that the writers had to do, um, not just for television purposes, but also to sort of... I don't know, make it a little more, make it flow a little bit better. I know that's something that um, the authors have talked about when discussing the show compared to the books. And I also, I sort of wonder how they've even like approached the writing of the books now that they have the show to worry about. Like, I wonder if there's ever been a scene that they've had where like, you know, we better not put this in the book because then we're, we might have to put it in the TV show if we eventually get there. Um, or do they say, oh, well, yeah, we can we can put it in the book, but if we have to change it for the TV show, we can do that as well. I yeah. think I just read this... an article. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say I read – I can't remember if it was the article that you sent, Joel, or if it was one that I read afterwards where they were talking about how – especially since this the show started, how almost the the, the – book um the writing for the book kind of started to feed off of the show a little bit and then uh you know the sh obviously the show is feeding off of the books 
but um, there's kind of that they're feeding off of each other as opposed to really being two separate things. And so I I don't know how that's going to pan out. Obviously I think it's saying three, three books have been written since the start of the show. So um, it's just interesting to see how they influence each other in that way um, versus, you know, something like game of Thrones where it totally became almost like a parallel universe. Um, And then it had to be because it went beyond the books, but um, to see how it is that they complement each other. And I think this fandom too is, is like totally okay with that and loves that. Uh, versus other fandoms where it's like, oh, the books are better, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, and, and... You could have two great things. I know. Cool. Isn't that crazy how that works? <laughs> well, my theory behind that is just watch, if there's if there's ever a, a show or a movie based off a book, watch the movie or show first so you can enjoy it, and then read the book so you can enjoy the book more. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and, you know, and then you're then you're not like, oh, this movie's garbage. I that's a good point, Ian, because I think for me personally, uh, I got into Harry Potter because of the first few movies. I think it was up to movie three when I first started reading the books. Yeah. And then I went back and read everything, and then I remember reading Half Blood Prince and then seeing the movie and loving it, and then seeing um, or reading Deathly Hallows, the last book. And then seeing the first and second part of the movie and just sort of like, eh. I mean, I yeah, wasn't a big fan yeah. of Deathly Hallows at the time either, but uh, the the movie certainly didn't help. And I feel like if it was the other way around, maybe I would have enjoyed them more. Right. Right. And to go back to your, your question, Chris, about the book and the, the writers, whether they are writing more for TV now uh, since uh, the success of the series, I, I, th- I don't think so. Because nowadays we have CGI. It's not like 20, 30 years ago where they say, no, we can't build these big, giant landscapes or spacescapes because it's going to be too expensive in production. I think I think it's, just, it's all about imagination now because we, we can actually, well, produce this stuff. Uh, people can put it on TV, on a screen, and it's amazing, and it's affordable, and it's it, you can make money off of it because it's not price prohibited. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, eh, you bring up point. an interesting point, um, Joel. And, and as far as even budget goes, how much of the budget will go into special effects? And uh, one of the things I'm really looking forward to, and something that made the Expanse really alive for me, even when it was on Sci-Fi, was the sets itself. And um, I'm I'm really interested to see what they they bring to the table as far as the sets. And are we going to be seeing the same things? Are they going to upgrade certain things? But um, you know, how much of the budget is actually going to go into CGI? especially now that we're going into these new worlds. I know as far as like just the general feel, the fourth book felt way different. I mean, great. And it felt like a part of the, the universe, but it felt kind of like a Western jumped in there. Cause it's just, you know, new land and new territory you're branching out into on these new worlds. So I feel like it's going to, I'm excited to see where they're going to go with it because it's definitely new territory for them to start playing around in. I'm also really curious for like later on where they're going (laughs) to, like you're talking about CGI and writing for that. And I was just thinking about all the weird, weird, crazy stuff that happens because I haven't read the the last book, but I remember like the seventh book 
and just some of the weird stuff that happens in there. And I'm like, I am so excited to see how they pull that off on screen. <laughs> it's going to be real expensive, I bet. Because, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> without spoiling, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> oh, God. It's, yeah. It's hard not to spoil that stuff, but it's totally ruined it for me. Man. Yeah, I know. it gets wild. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the book. I'm gonna get the book seven. I'm gonna get the book seven, and like as I'm reading it, I'm gonna be like, "Whoa!" Whoa. And then I'll be like, "Oh my god, this is what you're talking about." Yeah, see, just spoiled it. It was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be just nothing exciting. <laughs> Just hey, Ian, just, just wait until uh, you re- get there and you're not saying whoa, and then you're going to be very disappointed. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm like, this is all completely normal. <laughs> yeah, I suppose for that universe, there's a whole new normal for them. <laughs> so I do want to start wrapping up here, uh, but before we do give our just our final thoughts, um, I want to say that Amazon now has officially licensed Expanse merch. If mm-hmm. you've uh, been wanting a t-shirt or something and it's officially licensed and you don't want to get something that's being made by a fan, uh, go to Amazon. If you search the Expanse like shirt or something along those lines, uh, you should be able to find it. Um, I can't off the top of my head remember what the designs were. They were pretty, I'll be honest, be a little critical, a little, a little simple, uh, nothing too extravagant so far. Um, but given that this is the first time that we have officially licensed shirts and whatnot, and you can get hoodies or really anything that you want, um, yeah, officially licensed, uh, coffee yeah. maker, uh, machines, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> specifically <laughs> broken by Holden spoiled by <laughs> like great. a lot of really cool fan designs too. Yeah. So we have some really talented fandom people. So like I have, a lot of unlicensed Expanse merch, and I'm sorry, <laughs> Amazon, <laughs> but I didn't have anywhere else to go. But I have one that's like the series station, like um, transit map. It's just like yeah. cool. Oh, cool. Put that on a shirt. It's cool because it's all circular and it's going out. It's, it's awesome. And I have like a pure and clean Canterbury specific like ship label, and I love it. Yeah, I think my final thought really just with the, with the expanse moving forward with Amazon is I'm just excited for the opportunities and I just can't wait to see the new things they can put to this show to make it even better than it was before. Because let's be honest, it's rarely fallen below an eight out of ten. Even just even if you pick it apart like Joel does with the CGI. <laughs> oh, 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 that's harsh. Harsh, that's like harsh. Uh, I think you could really go below an eight out of ten, or even a seven out of ten for the uh, for each episode, even the worst ones. Um, so if we can get to the point where we're talking eight, eight and a half, nine out of ten for every episode, I mean, I think that's it can it can lead a new wave of hopefully good sci-fi content, not just on Amazon, but maybe just everywhere. Yeah. And also just for, for marketing purposes, too, because I mean, we're sitting here talking about officially licensed merch hitting the online store in the fourth season, which in some se- in some shows it'd be, you'd probably get it in the second season, 
third season at the latest, but the fourth season, I mean, that's, that's pushing it. So I'm just hopeful that Amazon will market it a lot better than sci-fi did. Yeah. I think they, I think they will. (laughs) So far, so good. I've seen a lot of really cool content just from the actors getting little snippets into their characters and stuff from merch. Finally, Amazon's providing that even though they haven't actually launched the show on Amazon yet. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, So Ernie, what is, what is your final thoughts on, on the expanse moving forward? Uh, I think it's the same as everybody. We're excited. We're anticipating uh, what it's going to be like and and, uh, waiting for uh, the answers to our questions to be answered, how it's going to air and and, uh, all that sort of thing. But I I couldn't be more excited to see and um, wait to experience and live tweet what happens. And that is kind of where I'm sitting at now. It just... I, I can't remember a time where an episode was really predictable. And that was one of the things I loved about The Expanse was um, how how unpredictable a lot of situations became in the show because I've never read the books. I still plan on it. I just haven't had the time. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that it just always seems to surprise me. And so now that we're going into these new realms, I, I just – my mind can't go past that. Like, I don't know what's going to be past the gates, and I'm excited to see what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> and uh, one of the most important things for me, even in the show, is uh, the relationships that kind of form and the loyalty that is built. And uh, I can't wait to see where Holden takes his crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Laura, you're next. <laughs> oh, God. I am I'm so psyched to see it with Amazon. I liked that it got announced to like by Jeff himself at that. I thought that was so so cool. So just kind of that. Yeah. He was like at the conference, whenever that was and announced it himself. Like I'm excited to say the expanse has been saved and like, it just feels like a good environment. Like he's excited. They're excited to have the expanse with them. And so I think that's really something that the show needed and uh, cause everyone loves them and they deserve an environment like that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, what about you? Um, I mean, nothing, nothing that hasn't already been said. I, it's a killer television show. I'm excited. Hopefully this summer, uh, dive back into the, the, the world of the expanse and, and read a, a ton of the books and stuff and um yeah it's just their characters that i love and it's it's a writing style that i really enjoy both in the books and the, the show um and, in their own way it's a show that i love to watch it's a book i love to read so i'm just excited personally to, to dive back into the world and then and then um you know whenever they announce the the show um coming back i'm just pumped to to watch it and uh be there with the rest of the fans to yeah, live tweet to just to get back together more regularly with the tweeters and um, <laughs> with the teachers, the Twitter sphere. Um, I like and, yeah. that they have been doing a lot more like conventions this 
Yes. Like lately too. Besides just San Diego Comic Con, because I can't get a badge <laughs> to save my life. I would love it if they would come to Emerald City Comic Con. I've gone the past two years, and I want them next I, year. Yeah. I tried to go to Escape Velocity, and I couldn't get the time off work to see Dominique. I tried to go to uh, yeah. the Philly one, and I couldn't get that time off. So I'm like, please keep doing this. <laughs> I'll travel. Wasn't, wasn't the Philly one where they, the girls were all dancing? Wasn't that the one? That <laughs> yeah. was pretty awesome. It just yeah. shows how much the, the cast love each other. So. I know. And you can feel that on screen, off screen, and yeah. um, I'm so glad that they have such a crew that loves each other and the fan base that loves them back. (laughs) So I'm excited. It seems like Amazon is kind of promoting that in that fashion too, because conventions are a really good way to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And they're even going to like the smaller ones too. I know we had a first time convention here in Nashville back in the fall and Cass was there, and I got to meet him and talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I posted his, he did a short panel, and I posted the audio from that on this feed. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. Uh, but yeah, it's just nice that they're being able to interact yeah. more. I've seen Cass because he's done like voice work and stuff too. So he's been at, he's a little more available at conventions, and he is, <clears throat> excuse me. If you have the chance to go meet him, like, do it. He's one of the sweetest people, like, yeah. most personable people I've ever yeah, met. Yeah, he seems like a super cool dude. So nice. Oh, he is. He's amazing. All right, Joel, you are the last batter up. Well, I'm giving it a lot of thought. And I think the Expanse is going to leave an indelible mark on a generation of, of science fiction fans. And I'm just trying to think what's better for the fandom down the road. Do we want a specific, uh, expense-specific convention, like, say, Star Wars Celebration? Or do we want, like, a cruise, like a Star Trek cruise, but make it into, like, an expense cruise? Or do we want them, basically, the money shot and just do an expense theme park? Uh, Because I think the expense is going to be around for a long time, especially if uh, they do all the books, I think, it's going to be well. It's going to be a high watermark of science fiction for you know the two thousand late two thousands and early not late two thousand and twenties and all that. So it's yeah. like this time period of our humanity's existence. How's yeah. that for a, a point? <laughs> I keep trying to get people, and I'm like, get in early because it's yeah. going to be around for a while. Then you can be like, I do it. And it was yeah. just coming out. <laughs> like, can you can you, can you imagine having like a specific expense convention? And, and I'll go in a, in a heartbeat. It doesn't have to be huge. Like the first Star Wars celebration was actually quite small. It, it took place in a tent. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'd go to an expanse tent. Yeah, think <laughs> of the <laughs> think of the possibilities. That's uh, great. I'd go uh, cruise. Cruises in general freak me out because they're a little isolated. And then Dude, I'd love to go on a cruise with the with the the crew. Yeah. I just like to go on a cruise again. It's been a long time, and cruises are so fun. <laughs> just want a vacation. I, I hear Mars is nice this time of year. <laughs> yeah. Go to one of the new planets. All right, well, let's just do our uh, our social media handles, and then I think uh, I'll toss it over to Joel's pre-recorded discussion he did with uh, 
his own show, Sci-Fi Pubcast. I'll let him talk about that when he gets to his social media. Uh, first, let's do Ian. Ian, go first. Um, I am primarily on Twitter um, and Instagram, but Twitter, Instagram is mostly just like boring family stuff. Um, and I think my kids are cute, but nobody else cares. Um, <laughs> so for for Twitter, it's Ian the Beard. So my name, Ian the Beard. That's it. Laura, you're next. Uh, um, your your favorite part of the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably gonna change it soon if I can find something available. I'm gonna use this opportunity because my Twitter handle is Laura. <laughs> <laughs> With finger guns. Laura. Oh, Laura. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's L A U R A A A. H H H H. Sorry. <laughs> it was funny at the time. I didn't think I was going to be on a podcast, okay? Yeah, I didn't think anyone would care. <laughs> so, sorry about it. Uh, my Twitter handle is at the Curse of Chris, and if you want to follow the show, it's at Crash Couch. Ernie, what about you? Apparently, Ernie's Twitter handle is silence. Yeah. Well, I'll stand in here for Ernie and say, he's your buddy, Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is, right? Did I screw it up? I think it's I your know, buddy, Ernie. Right. Yeah, your oh, buddy, okay. Ernie. Uh, Joel. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm not sure I can compete with that last one. Uh, yeah, so it's my first and last name. Uh, it's Joel underscore Welch, W-E-L-C-H. Uh, yeah, follow me. Yeah, uh, sure, why not? I'm interesting. And what's interesting too is my uh, the, the next segment you're gonna hear about uh, the book uh, eight of the Expanse, uh, Matt's Wrath. We did that maybe six weeks ago uh, at the Sci-Fi Podcast. Uh, to warn you, it's a quirky show, show and uh, we got into it, and it's full of spoilers. So if you haven't read the book, yeah, you should like not listen to this uh, segment, next coming segment. Just a yeah, heads up. Here's your and, red flashing light. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, enjoy. Greetings. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Pubcast, the podcast that tries to be a pub and perhaps someday a pub that tries to be a podcast. We're doing a special CrossFeed podcast episode for today's topic as we are discussing T-Mat's Wrath, book eight of the Expense series. So this show is going to be uh, cross-posted on the Sci-Fi Pubcast feed as well as the feed from Crash Couch, an Expense podcast. So we're quite happy about that, and quite happy that hopefully we have a bunch of screaming firehawks listening to this episode, and we can do this uh, this discussion some justice. Uh, so uh, we're slightly uh, diverging from our usual sci-fi podcast format, and we'll be just jumping right into the discussion on T-Mat's Wrath as soon as we see who's at the bar right now. And I'm looking over, and I see Carrie Simpson, and I'm seeing Derek BB, two of my staff members of the Sci-Fi Podcast, and my name is Joel Welch. Uh, I'm like the bar owner of this fine establishment. And before we go on, I should really have to say this: that we're going to be talking spoilers big time in a big way for uh, Book Eight of the Expense Team at Wrath. So if you haven't read the book, please don't listen to this show. Go read the book and then come back and listen to us. It's... And if you're only watching the TV show, that's only covered the first three books. So our discussion of this book will spoil future seasons of the TV show. Yeah. Exactly. So if you assuming, don't want to know what's going to happen in the TV show. Assuming we get nine seasons of a TV show, which, you know, 
it may or may not happen. Who knows? I mean, we can hope. But hey, yeah. if Jeff Bezos is footing the bill, we'll we'll get them all. Yes. Yeah, yeah but I also, I also I also wonder what would at some point like after unless they shorten the timeline after season six, should we get that far? They're gonna have to do some either serious recasting or use lots of um, lots of makeup effects. No, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping cause... they just say it's five years later instead of what is it, ten years later, or was it more than that? It's no. thirty years later. Thirty. Oh Christ, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a long yeah. time. Uh, yes. Yeah, we're yeah. Uh, the crew of the Rusty is now like seven in their seventies as of the beginning of this last trilogy. Oh yeah, um, they can't do that. <laughs> <That's gonna be laughs> Yes, I feel like James Holden trying to get my crew together. Hey, guys, uh, so this is Derek and, K- and Carrie, and they are jumping into the discussion right away. I love that. I, I was just following Re- <laughs> Derek for the rabbit hole, which it, is always yeah. a bad idea. Yes, there's a reason why. I don't, our, know, why I, I don't, know, don't know why I do that to myself. This is There's a reason why our sci-fi podcast show is described as being quirky, and I love it. So, uh, yeah, we, we tend <laughs> to go down ra- to any rabbit holes that uh, we want to. Uh, just is just our style and a punk rock attitude, so I can't wait for that. Uh, it seems to me that uh, we're recording on uh, May 5th, 2019. It's been a busy month or two. Uh, with major things happening in fandom all around. Um, we had Star Wars uh, Celebration Chicago, and then we have uh, the release of uh, Marvel's Endgame, Adventures Endgame. And this book came out slightly before that, and we all read the book, and then we got busy on other topics in geekdom. And now we're returning to talk about um, James S.A. Corey's uh, book, T-Mat's Wrath. And that's great. One thing I do want to mention at this point is that the Sci-Fi Pubcast has its own Discord server, which is basically a meeting point of various fans from all across podcasting and anywhere that, that would be part of the, anyone who wants to be part of the community. So uh, check our social media for uh, invites and join our larger community, which we're building uh, slowly. And there we go. Uh, so uh, let's give you some background information on TMAT's Wrath. It was released on March 26, 2019 by Orbit, an imprint of Hatchet Book Group. It's the eighth book of the Expanse series. There's going to be nine books in total, so we're getting towards the end of the of the series. It's by James S.A. Corey, which is the pen names or pseudonyms of Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. And the story is getting weirder and weirder and more epic by the page. Right. Weirder and weirder, and I have even less... Um faith in the overhaul intelligence of humanity <laughs> in general yeah this is yeah this as is, a result of this trilogy as a result of this trilogy generally and this book in, in specifically <laughs> wait you mean you, you don't have faith in humanity <laughs> okay. no i didn't have faith in humanity's intelligence to begin with but now yeah, it's like wow they like except for the crew of the rossi there there's just we're doomed. Oh yeah, it's just... we are so we are so doomed because, what? Because I mean, who who thinks it's a good good idea to go and provoke, um, you know, something we have no idea what the fuck is going on. I would actually argue that this book is the most hopeful out of all eight thus far because my my I mean I, I love the series but it it is so bleak sometimes about how horrible humankind is but. I would say that this one actually had a minimum of of barbarity and horror in it. 
compared no, to all the I, other ones. I, I agree. It has, it has a minimum of uh, barbarity and horror, but an epic dose of, oh, let's see if we could, let's see if we can do this, this thing. Let's see if we can make this thing mad. And that never goes well. Yeah, the, the whole yeah. game theory uh, bit. Uh, yeah, it's how we as a species try to rationalize something to soar towards an, an entity that probably isn't using reason the same way we are. And well, yeah, go ahead. No, well, it's like okay, so so as, as you have in the sh- in the notes here, I mean, Tiamat is the Babylonian goddess, uh, is a primordial Babylonian goddess, which is fitted where we're dealing with the proto molecule and the the creators of the proto molecule and the cule and the whoever or whatever you know destroyed the creators of the proto molecule but every time i see tiamat i i think of um the five-headed evil goddess from dungeons and dragons <laughs> and that pretty much informs everything i need to know about about how this book is going to go <laughs> It's like, yeah, we are just we're just gonna piss off something that we really have no business pissing off. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something, you know. It's like I don't know Disney buying uh, the Expanse series and Amazon and creating an uh, a Expanse line land at Disneyland. It's so encompassing. It's so ooh, it's like the unknowns out there. Uh, you see that in the other books as well, in the titles of these books, uh, Lafayette, um, the, the very thin wakes. Leviathan. Yeah. yeah, ever all the all the title all the titles have had some kind of root, rooting in mythology, which is or, or legend, and yeah, that just kind of brings home that we're dealing with something that we only have maybe a slight idea of what what to do with. I like the opening line of chapter one. And it says the universe is always stranger than you think. Yeah, it's just yeah. Hub- it's just humans being you know, hubristic. Uh, we're yeah. so prideful that we think we know it all and we know nothing. Exactly. Uh, Derek, what's your yes. what's your overall take on this book? I loved it. It's my favorite book in the series, and I am so stoked to see how this all ends. But yeah, this this was great. Every 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 chapter was a page turner. I was uh, surprised where the story went. It had great action scenes. It had shocking character deaths, but you know I didn't not character deaths that I hated or railed against. You know they they made sense. I I loved the fact that the Laconians, who were these invincible but nice intending bad guys in the previous book were immediately put on their heels in this one and basically became victims and I love the increased focus on the goths which is what they call the gate killers at one point they said they called the gate builders the Romans and the gate killers the goths so I like that terminology so yeah every everything about this was great I loved it all what's your uh, initial take on this Carrie? Oh, I I loved I loved the book. I devoured it in like a day or two. There was at least one point where I almost cried out in horror in the middle of my office, and <laughs> that could have been bad. Oh wow! But yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I, I there there are there are bits and pieces that gave me hope as far as you know Naomi's resistance and uh, them fighting back against 
against the Laconian Empire, but just the mere fact that um, oh, what's his name? Coffee is coffee is wearing off. Um, Duarte is uh, his first instinct is to go and try to piss off um, something is just like seriously. <laughs> You've learned nothing in in thirty years. He is the immortal god king. Yeah, we all know how well that works out. <laughs> yeah, he needs to get a life. Uh. <laughs> yeah. uh, immortal, immortal god kings never do well. It, they're always um, brought down by their own, you know, hubris. Yeah. And unfortunately, Duarte's, Duarte might be taking us all with him, and that's well, that that's crap. Yeah. Uh, I know my initial take is uh, of this book is it's great because it has a dog in it, <laughs> muskrat, and I, I like dogs. So. <laughs> I like dogs too, and you can t- you can tell a lot about a person by how the how dogs react to people. So obviously the dog liked Holden. Uh, I think uh, although I think Holden was bribing the dog for a while, so yeah. that that might be part of it. <laughs> it happens. Okay, well, let's uh, go over what happened in the book and then go from there, guys. What do you think? Sure. Sure. And so, uh, let's see. Uh, So we're falling off the Expanse Fandom uh, wiki page, uh, which is a great asset, guys. Uh, Definitely check out their stuff. That's a great source to figure out what happened in the books if uh, you're like us and you're not completely prepared to talk about something. Uh, So, uh, what... Where the book begins is that we have the former crew of the Rosentante all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's keeping low profiles because the Lassonians are basically in charge and it's a military dictatorship. And uh, we have uh, Bobby, Alex, and Naomi maintaining low profiles in the solar system, i.e. Earth and places around Earth. Uh, actually, not Earth, because Earth got you know, kind of demolished in the previous book. But, you know, that solar system. And... They're kind of they're kind of you know traveling smuggling themselves in and out of in and out of ring space too. So that that's the the the, um, the concepts that they have of how how they manage to smuggle both Naomi and the oh what was the name of the ship? Oh the Derek which ship? Yeah 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 the, the gath- warship the gathering storm. gathering storm yeah. The concept of how they were able to smuggle both of those in and out of ring space without no one noticing, that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, they parked it inside a bigger ship, right? Didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they they hide inside cargo containers so that the Laconians never see them. Interesting, right? And, of course, we have Naomi, who's living a very, I know, uh, solitary life out of one of these uh, containers Smaller cargo containers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's a metaphor happening there, you know, being trapped, being enclosed uh, in the vastness of space, running away from from uh, people uh, who will try, who are trying to kill you, you know, your enemies. It made me think of Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein hiding in, you know, like their little spider holes. Mm, yeah, true. I wasn't gonna go there, but yeah, that kind of works. Sure. Uh, of course, uh, then we have this uh, lead scientist, uh, and again, forgive my pronunciation of names. Elvi Okoye? Yeah, Elvi. Elvi. Okay, Elvi Okoye, right? And who I actually quite like. I like the scientific aspect of these books. I like the big the, like ideas that are introduced. And she is leading a scientific mission for the La... Is that, is that a soft sea or a hard sea? Laconian? Laconians. Or? Laconians. Okay, Laconians Empire. 
and uh, aboard a ship called the Falcon, uh, which not the Millennium Falcon for sure, but still a Falcon. No. No, that's <laughs> what I always thought of. Right. I, I kept yeah, waiting for I someone to the, say I that they named it after that. I don't. I, I I'm sure maybe uh, the guys named the ship after that, but I doubt seriously doubt the Emperor of Laconia would have thrown a Star Wars reference in just for shits and giggles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, it was, I think it was specifically made for LV, so hopefully she named it. Yeah. Yeah, and she's probably a big Star Wars fan. You know, she probably goes to the theme park still in the future. You know, uh, this happens when? This is like uh, one year, 2400, something like that? 200, 300 years from now. Yeah, I can see Disney yeah. still being around. There you go. Uh, <laughs> That's helpless. Right, so uh, the, the first uh, system they they checked out, uh, and they tried to use their experiment uh, because they had, uh, what? how would you describe it? Someone who's been affected with the photomolecule on board, actually, right? As, yeah, uh, because apparently, because apparently the I mean, I mean, we know this from both the series and the books that that um, someone who's been infected with the pro molecule can somehow interact with or um, you know interface with whatever technology the the builders left behind. Well, they're just using the Wi-Fi. <laughs> that yeah. Yeah, that's true. So uh, they're pirating the Wi-Fi. Fortunately, the proto-molecule builders didn't have a password on it, so... Yeah, I You need, you need sure the special that. modem, though, in your brain. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure either of those concepts are a good idea. But, you know, without those, we wouldn't have a book series, I guess. Yeah. So the fir- first system they went to, there's a large object, kind of like diamond-shape, uh, like structure... Uh, that they theorized could be the Rosetta Stone of the proto-molecule creators. Uh-huh. That's kind of neat, isn't it? Yeah. Would have been even neater if they had just stayed to study that instead of moving on to a different system and trying to explode things. Yeah, you know, you try to get knowledge before uh, you do major... Before you do stupid uh, stuff, yes. Yeah, major actions, right? Yeah, it's always gathering information that's like, you know, this is... You know, a key to problem solving 101. <laughs> okay. Gain yeah, information I, first. I, I, I always found the uh, protomolecule stuff to be the most interesting aspect of the series. So it was really fascinating that in this book they're directly going on these expeditions to try to find out more about them. I thought that was a really cool little subplot to be running against the main, you know, fighting the Laconian story. Yeah. So, of course, uh, the Admiral had different ideas and uh, they. Uh, uh, he went to some place. Well, the admiral had well, the admiral had orders, right. and uh, Laconians, like Martians before them, are not really brought up to question or disobey orders. I mean, we've seen we've seen this with Bobby, like her her struggle to uh, about whether whether to obey her or her orders or to go against them, and ultimately it worked out for her. But you know, nothing. It she's a exception i think to the rule sometimes yeah so uh they had orders so though they went to a different system with the tikoma or tekoma or tikoma mm-hmm. uh, lots of different mm-hmm. ways to say things uh yeah prove me wrong uh so uh and which is a very sparse system it was like nothing there nothing of importance so to speak no nothing of importance so we think so uh of course uh the military had uh its own agenda and uh well 
decided to do something that, uh, in our um, opinion, is wasn't very wise. Derek, <laughs> Derek, can you describe what happened? I'm trying to remember. Okay. <laughs> did they did they make the star blow up, or did they just like transmit something and then the goths caused it to blow up? And what happened is that they rigged a, a ship full of explosives, and they sent it into the oh, gate. Oh, right. 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 Yeah, so, to make timer. it teleport into the dead zone wherever the missing ships go where presumably the goths live yeah so you know hey let's figure out if well let's let's cause some pain to them to know that we can fight back uh because if we don't fight back they are just going to uh kill us probably or leave us alone well now they're well now they're really going to kill us so i mean like i said this was this was a very bad idea and i really hope the other world that got lost on its uh well at the expense of this um was self-sustaining <laughs> <laughs> because we lost two rings instead not just one. Oh yeah which is weird because what happened is that you have this pulsar that went out uh and, and did a bunch of bad stuff uh you know, it destroyed not only that gate but also uh another gate which is the opposite side of the slow zone the yeah, and also it destroyed John, everything in the slow zone. Gave, <laughs> so that, uh, yeah, that was fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> like it was like, oh, it, it just caused mass agony. Everything in the slow zone got killed or destroyed. That's including the Medina Station, that the Eye of the t- Typhoon, which is another uh, major uh, fleet ship, and of course uh, even like Saber, the leader of the underground, who was on the Medina, Medina Station, no more. Uh, the yep. Falcon nearly got destroyed. It's only because they had a protocol where they had a, a last, uh, like a, an emergency, like get out of dodge in a hurry uh, preset uh, on a verbal cue, which uh, our character um, Oki, uh, what's her name, uh, managed, okay, managed to to, uh, to state and to engage. Wow, what a bad idea. <laughs> that was a really shocking plot twist to me because Medina Station has been the central location of the series for, what, four books now? And to just have it wiped out in a second. And it wasn't even on screen because we weren't, you know, we didn't have a POV character there at the time to just find out after the fact that the central location of the entire series is just gone, not to mention one of the three all-powerful warships that Laconia is using. That was a complete game-changer, and I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, I didn't see that coming at all, but, I mean, they Laconia basically uh, did the equivalent of throwing a nuclear bomb into the Bermuda Triangle. And what, what did we expect was going to happen? Uh, they <laughs> recognized that, hey... They can get hurt, and so stay away from the from the humans because the humans uh, are bad people. No, they piss off whoever's controlling them from the triangle. In this case, the uh, the dead space, I guess if you you could call it. Um, and now they're going to come and kill us. I, I it was actually it was actually kind of funny. I was I forget what episode of Babylon Five it was, but um, it was Jakar talking about the um, where the first ones are located in Babylon 5 and talking about how the best thing we can do is uh, either stay out from underfoot or get smashed. Yeah, like us. And we just, we just, uh, we, we're like the equivalents of ants just pro- provoking the people who are going to step on us now. Yeah, beware of the sleeping dragons, that's for sure. And I just, it was just nuts. 
I like how the destruction happened, especially on the Falcon. So you have bits and pieces of matter just simply being void, disappearing. And that that includes the ship itself, that includes body parts, that includes everything. And mm-hmm. it was like it was scattered, right? So it's kind of like, wow. So it's, so the ship survived barely, but with such damage being sustained to the ship and to the people around, like uh, you know, losing part of your leg or part of your head. You know, wow, oof, what a way to go. Yeah, that was that was really disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's almost you know existentialist, you know, of the fact that there's nothing and and being being in nothing uh dakota john paul sartre book from the 40s and 50s it's just insane well i mean and, and to make it even more disturbing there's that whole thing about them losing time while it's happening so it's like they have no control over what is going on because they have no idea that it's happening until it's all until like you know five minutes later and it's already happened yeah. Oof. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and of course we move on in the plot and this stuff is happening between different chapters. It's not all in the same part of the book. The book is spread out in terms of its uh, plot developments. But we have a military plan going on with uh, the resistance, uh, trying to uh, go in. Uh, well, first capture uh, a political officer that didn't work out very well, and that led to other things where they decided to try to take out uh, one of them major ships from the Laconian Empire. Uh, the Eye of the Tiger? Uh, uh, not, oh, not the Eye. Uh, I have a, no, the Eye of the Tiger, Will of the Thright. <laughs> no, okay. So the Eye of the ah, Typhoon, ah, ah, ah. It, it was one that was destroyed by the, the Goths. It's the one that's in the solar system that they were going after. Uh, uh, the Tempest. Uh, yes. The Tempest, yes. there you go, right? Uh, so, uh, no... This is what happens when you get into military engagements, uh, because any plan is not going to survive the first contact with the enemy, mm-hmm. and, and because that's not how the world works, at least not how we think it works. Nothing, nothing goes according to plan. Nope. But uh, uh, during this fight, uh, the Tempest, uh, they found out previously had s- some sort of sensor uh, weakness to it from the previous battle. No one yeah, it had been. It had. They figured out that it had certain points of damage that didn't heal from the big battle to initially seize control of the Earth system. Right. To me, it's like the smog moment from uh, oh, the Hobbit. Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah. There's, yeah. Uh, so um, they went after that, and of course, uh-huh. Bobby is the one leading the mission, and Alex is the one, of course, uh, driving the the scope bus, so to speak, and. Uh, Bobby, uh, well, uh, let's raise our glasses and cheers to Bobby. She what went, a way to go out, man. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, she uh, she won the battle. Things went sideways. She got the job done, and uh, she paid the ultimate price for it. So, well, I mean, if, yeah. you want, if, if we've talked about how much uh, mythology is kind of woven into this, I mean, like, she went out like a Viking, man. <laughs> you know, just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Avasarla and Bobby were basically my two favorite characters, so it did really suck that they both die in this book. And, and, Although, it's, and it was sad that Avasarla just dies of old age off screen, but Bobby did have the best possible death, single-handedly taking out one of the all-powerful invincible enemy battleships. That that was yeah. perfect. Yeah, and I was I was actually not surprised. I was actually not surprised Avasarla had passed off screen. Uh, it it's it was kind of like. 
how, oh, I think it's, um, the first book in the War of the Souls Dragonlance trilogy opens right before, uh, Car- Caramon's funeral. He's like, well, we knew he was going to pass, die at some point, And here we go. Yeah, usually having a character die in bed, uh, uh, like from cancer, is probably not great drama. But it's more realistic. But yeah, not great drama. Yeah, but so. I mean, she was like over. She's like well over a hundred at this point, I think. So, yeah. I mean, she was going to go eventually. I, I'm the the insult was having was uh, Duarte burying her on on Laconia because apparently that's the heart of the empire now and not sending her back to earth that sucked yeah it just goes to show you if you drink tea you live longer so i also really enjoyed the friendship between alex and bobby as well because that that was never ever romantic right they're always just like no they were always best friends platonic. yeah yeah i i always thought that was a really good relationship interesting uh so uh the ship of the, the storm gets uh, you know, basically done up by antimatter bombs uh, because of Bobby. Again, to Bobby. And uh, then things got weird because of uh, the whole other point over the gates, right? Uh, there's, yeah. There's like a time lapses, missing time. Uh, yeah, the, things went first. Uh, well, yeah, things went sideways. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I apologize for my language earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this show is being cross-posted. We usually can swear our, our, on our show, but uh, yeah, we're trying to show some respect to uh, the, how the Chris McGuffin runs his show. So, uh, yeah, we're trying not yeah. to swear. So- sorry, Chris. I'm, I'm <laughs> not even, he's not even listening to this because he hasn't read the book. <laughs> yeah, <anyway>. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Derek. I'm struggling to remember what caused the second goth attack was there no cause of it? They just did it on their own? Yeah, and that's right. And that's why it's okay. so, di- so disturbing because they're, it's like they're rolling out their, their tactical plans. Uh, no, I thought I thought it was the death of the Tempest that did it because there's something with how... Oh, the, yeah, because that little their, bullet that's sitting yeah. in the middle of the Tempest at all times now. yeah. Oh, okay, so when Bobby blew up the Tempest, that was what the impetus was. Yeah. Okay. okay. That, that, yeah, you're right. Oh, interesting. Which isn't to say that the Tempest didn't need to be taken out, because, I mean, you're, you're going to take out... Now, now the Laconias are down to one super ship, not three, which, is, course, which is probably they, a good thing. And they, need to, and they need that to stay guarding Laconia, so they basically have lost all their projection power. They're, they've become a single fixed point now. Exactly. No ability to enforce their rule. Uh-huh. Yeah, it sucks to be them. Uh, so, uh, and you have people taking advantage of it uh, with low-tech solutions. You have Naomi setting up her uh, means uh, to communicate across the 1,400 systems, right? Using mm-hmm. the equivalent of a uh, you know a cherry can and a, a, a tin can and a and a wire basically right right uh, which is neat so they can actually move their assets and coordinate faster than the Laconians can yeah they can they can mobilize faster once they get the signal that they need to mobilize which was kind of cool very cool and of course there's things happening on Laconia that really hamstrings uh, hamstrings uh, them uh, because a lot of this book 
uh, is seen through the viewpoint of uh, Teresa, the daughter of the High Council Durat. Uh, how do you say his name? Durat? Durate? Dar- Duarte. Duarte. Duarte, yeah. And he's not the High Council, he's the Emperor. Uh, emperor, right. Pretty much. Yeah, you know, dictators, they, they love their titles. So, um, uh, But Teresa is a interesting uh, character. She's, what, 12 years old, something like that? I want to say 14. She's okay. 14 or 15, yeah. Uh, but she's very, very smart, and she has the benefit of, uh, you know, only the best education a, a person can have uh, when you're the daughter of the emperor. And, uh, yeah, but uh, the cause cost of that is that her life is very restricted and she's you know basically has to stay all her time in this palace do you feel sorry for her at all guys a little bit because yeah she is kind of kept under lock and key as much as she can be and and she does get to go she does sneak out once in a while but apparently that was not an unknown occurrence at least her her minders knew about it right but her miners didn't know that she was visiting someone, uh, and she found someone, and she's fitting someone down in the catacombs, basically, right? Yeah, or that the was caves, I should say. Yeah. That was not something I was expecting, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was wondering where he was going to show up. Yeah, yes, and we were talking about a person called Timothy. Really, his name's Timothy, right? Like Tim. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, Amos, Amos, Amos. Yeah. And I just wanted it was neat how Amos and uh, Teresa became friends before like we re- read about that in the books, and how these two opposite personalities and opposite age groups and opposite genders actually form a really tight friendship. Well, I mean, he does tend to find people that he decides he's going to protect rather than kill, which is you know. I mean, considering Amos's background, it's it's kind of admirable that he that he decides he needs to take care of Teresa rather than kill her, and that he can't go and nuke um, Duarte's palace because that would kill her. So that's that's really admirable. He's always very protective of children because of what yeah. was done to him as a child. So. That that's that's true as well. Any anytime he sees a kid, he just kind of like latches onto them as their guardian protector. He did it with. Uh... Clarissa, he did it with others. I can't remember. Oh, oh, um, the the little girl in book two, May, right? Right, May. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, I thought that Teresa had a very interesting ethical evolution through the course of the book. It was particularly interesting when the boy she has a crush on started, you know, dating someone else, and they were all terrified of what her reaction would be. And she actually had to, you know, process it herself. You know, like, you know, I could make these people's lives miserable, but but she ultimately decides not to. So, yeah, I thought she was a very interesting character. I mm-hmm. like the fact that she, you know, was kind of – she wasn't – I mean, she was uh, – I mean, obviously she wasn't evil, but she was kind of, like, learning on her own to be a good person despite the education that she was receiving from her father and from her teacher's. Yeah, her minor. So it was, yeah, uh, it's Colonel uh, Alex. 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 That's her minor. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. He was a bit of a jerk. Uh, yeah. Uh, Teresa. And then it's uh, well, look at her father, uh, Durante, the Emperor. And of course, with one of the tests happening right across the galaxy, what happened to him? He kind of goes catatonic. 
Yeah, and that really sucks for everyone involved. You know, it, when the boss is, is, is out of it, you know, the emperor of your empire. Yeah, what what do people do? Well, okay, so when you have... A, unfortunately, I kind of saw this coming because, like, when you have a system like on Laconia where basically everything the emperor says happens goes is what what happens and nobody's really allowed to think for themselves then once the emperor is taken out of the picture everything goes to hell because no one else no one knows what to do which was part of duarte's reasoning for why he felt he needed to live forever because he figured no one else would be able to you know take over for him which is crazy like but yeah and so yeah of course everyone's gonna be running around like chickens with their heads cut off uh if they have no no one to do the thinking for them yeah this was another one of those shocking plot twists that i didn't see coming at all that was really cool that the immortal invincible god king of the of the of this series suddenly becomes brain dead because of something <laughs> yeah that they weren't even that they that he wasn't even responsible for really i mean i just did not see that coming at all and i was like oh wow because you know at the end of book seven you assume that okay so the next book they're going to be fighting the laconians in an underground resistance but then the gate killers will show up and both sides have to team up together to survive them but no, they just get basically completely undone in the course of this book, not so much through the actions of the Resistance, but through their own hubris. It well, was a it very was... unexpected direction to take it, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I mean, I, I, we say it's unexpected because, I mean, we didn't expect it to happen just like that. But, I mean, it was pretty much established in the in Persepolis Rising that Duarte had been take had been become taking protomolecule treatments. So he's had protomolecule protomolecule in his system since the last book. And we know from what we've seen of the protomolecule that it's all pretty much like a hive mind. And then once one part of it shuts down, everything shuts down. So it was it was unexpected, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, what else do we think was going to happen? Yeah, when you play with the the magic of the gods, don't be surprised if uh, bad things happen. <laughs> exactly. Especially dark magic. And, yeah. And yeah, and just to me, I think there's been a, a trend recently, recently in, in several different uh, franchises where they make this big baddie. And somewhere in the storyline, at the beginning of the storyline, they just you know take the big baddie down. Uh, so it's it's an interesting story device, and it's, it's been working because I didn't expect that, and and it worked for me. Because suddenly you have someone who's supposed to be you know the ultimate powerful emperor being you know in a vegetative state and probably wearing diapers. It's like wow, <laughs> oof. Yeah, but still able to function uh, enough to understand when. His daughter is coming to him for help, which was kind of awesome and gross. Oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes in but, this entire movie, uh, entire book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, by Cortazar. 
<laughs> that yeah, that was my favorite moment in the entire series because once again, I did not see it coming at all. And the fact that he just kind of like you know walks up to the guy and kind of like smiles and nods at him or something, and then he just like sticks out his hand, and then like what it doesn't it like doesn't Cortazar's like back just explode outward in slow motion or something like that? Something like that, yeah. And then, and then my favorite part of it is that Admiral Trejo, who is a really cool character, I, I I love the fact that this guy is like he's very polite, he's never mean. You know, he's always like, I respect you a lot. I don't want to have to kill you, but if you don't surrender, I will kill you. But I'll be very sad doing it. He's a really cool character. But my favorite thing is that, you know, their their brain dead god emperor explodes this guy in front of their in front of their eyes, and then Trejo doesn't say a word. He just calmly and slowly walks out of the room. <laughs> he's just like, Okay, I'm going to remove myself from the premises nice and slowly. <laughs> And yeah, back away, back away like, before. What the hell just happened? Yeah, back away before you're next. <laughs> yeah, I think they they teach that at officer school apparently at Laconia. <laughs> Keep calm under pressure. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole uh, blood mist thing going on. Uh, it's it was interesting. It's like part of his body disappeared, leaving the blood just to hang in the air for a split second. Very misty. And yeah. it was also a great moment because Cortazar was, you know, a horrible, disturbing human being. So I was very, very happy to see him get his just desserts. Absolutely. Yeah, Cortazar, Cortazar needed to die in, like, the first book, but they waited for for good reason, apparently, maybe. Not really. Yeah. Now, is, is he the guy that they capture in the first book? Uh, no, he was killed. No, 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 no Miller killed him, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was someone else. Okay. Yeah. But then, Wait, oh, that's right. Did, because did, Miller kills that guy, and then they're mad at him because, like, why did you do that? Okay, right. Right. Yeah, no, Cortazar was the guy um, in the second se- no second second or third season of the show that was in the isolation booth and writing on all the walls. Okay. Now, was he in book two or just? He was in book no. one. He was the one, I think he was the one running the experiments at the behest of the guy that Miller shot. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't remember. I'm sorry, I can't vague that up anymore. Character. Yeah, there's a theme of uh, scientists doing bad things throughout this entire series, uh, putting the results more, making it more important than the process to get there and putting ethics out the window. And you have, so you have Cortazar, who's not happy with the uh, Emperor, by the way, uh, because Cortazar wants to live forever as well. But, Cortazar, but the Emperor wants to make his daughter immortal, not him. Uh, right, but of course, uh, we have our friend James Holden, who's been uh, putting little uh, tidbits in Cortazar's air to manipulate him. Yep. Yeah, that was another great revelation. I love the fact that he was just like, you know, mind-frelling everybody while he's being a prisoner. That was great. Well... Yeah. I, okay, so and, and this was something I was listening to on a different podcast. You know, Jim Holden is usually a, is a terrible liar. Unfortunately, he's not around anyone on Laconia who knows that he's a terrible liar. But suddenly he's thrown into the position of being the Avasarala of the story, where he's the one who's who has to manipulate everyone to get them where he wants them to be, so that so that things can can turn out better. And it's it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it just goes to show you uh, 
just because you think someone's a dancing bear, the person still could be dangerous. Yeah. Well, um, dancing bear still has claws. Right, and a mouth. Yep, full of teeth. <laughs> and actually, I like the use of the dancing bear metaphor. Yeah. Who has dancing bears nowadays? It's been a while since I've actually uh, run into uh, a dancing bear uh, like device used in a, in a piece of literature. Very cool. Yeah. They have him in Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, really? There you go. Carrie, you, you watched that, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Bosco. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. So uh, so things went sideways on Laconia for a variety of different reasons. And uh, things happen. And suddenly uh, there's, uh, uh, well, let's just say there's over 400 rebel ships started to arrive in the Laconia system. Oh wait, 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 wait! Oh. We forgot about we forgot about one key thing that happened on Laconia, which was Amos got his head blown off. Oh yeah, during the and then siege. he got and then he got better. Yeah, because that was during the siege, right? So no, that uh, was that was when uh, Teresa's minder um, followed her and right. found found right. Amos, and I almost screamed oh, in the wow. middle of my, and that that was like like no. Like yeah. I, I was, I, I panicked. Yeah. I was so distraught when they killed Amos. I was really happy when he got better. <laughs> that was one of the few issues that I had with this book because I realized that we're dealing with alien technology and everything, but it just really bothered me that he literally got his brains blown out and then he was perfectly fine later. I wish they just like shot him in the heart or something because the fact that the brain itself was destroyed but he was still able to get repaired and be perfectly fine. I don't know. That kind of strains cre- credibility for me. Yeah, but I'm looking at is that taking a bullet to the head doesn't destroy the entire brain, right? In real life, there's been cases where people has gotten like a steel iron beam through their brain and still yeah. survive. So, but uh, for him to be like perfectly fine and not be affected by it at all. Well, the um, the repair drones on Laconia have been apparently getting better about rebuilding people, so that wasn't actually that wasn't actually surprising. And um, the they've uh, now now we have a a version of Miller that everyone could see, not just Holden. So Holden doesn't end up talking to himself all the time. Oh, and on that subject, um, the the two little resurrected children that Cortazar held in a cage for years, that was so creepy and disturbing. <laughs> I mean, that was just horrible. The yeah. fact that these two little dead kids just sit in this cage for 30 years, you know, never they never let them leave. And that was that was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Horrendous. But uh, freedom is especially a theme in this series, right? You look at that with uh, Teresa. Just she wanted her freedom more than she wanted wealth. Uh, yeah. You, you have a lot of caged metaphors going on. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, people are upset at the Laconia Empire, and the rebels arrive for the siege of Laconia, right? Uh, so what they wanted to do is they wanted to destroy the shipyards to prevent uh, the Laconians from building new uh, protomarticle-related ships. Did you guys think of this whole siege business? This also strained cred- credibility for me because they they basically went from having two ships in the resistance to suddenly having 400. I don't understand how they got all these ships that quickly, particularly that they got three Donager class super battleships. 
like weren't the Laconians holding on to all these things because they didn't really I mean I it's been a while since I read the book now but I don't remember them explaining how they got all these ships like did they all was there this kind of like simultaneous uprising where everybody stormed these ships to take them from the Laconians because the Laconians have that invincible power armor and stuff so I, I just didn't understand where all these ships came from. I think a lot. Well, of, oh, go ahead, Karen. No, go, no, go ahead, Joel. I've, I think, uh, I've been talking a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of these ships were mothballed and, and hidden. So yeah. it's, it's like once it's like a, to use a historical uh, you know, analogy, it would be like uh, Occupy France with the underground, right? If, if you've been occupied by a military force, you are going to bury a lot of your guns, or you're going to hide a lot of your ships. But a Doniger is the historical equivalent of a U.S. aircraft carrier. It's it's a huge, massive weapon of mass destruction. Like how how did those three manage to disappear? Well, I think I, I think I think they had been retrofitted at some point. Um, but this also speaks to you know the hubris of the Laconians that they are so hyped up on the super the quote-unquote superiority of their new fleet that they completely disregard the idea that um, the older uh, Martian ships might be of any threat to them. And space is a big place. Yeah, space is re- big, really big. Yeah, and but and it's space opera. Go with exactly. That. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that issue aside, I thought it was a really cool battle with lots of really interesting tactics. It was basically the stuff that I was expecting to happen in book nine. So I was really surprised that we got it here in the third act of book eight. Because, again, I, I, I kind of went in with the assumption that, okay, so book nine will be the big showdown with Laconia. Especially after everything that was happening over the course of book eight up to that point, I felt that there was going to have to be a lot more setup for them to actually bring together a fleet to take them out, which is why I was surprised when, you know, just like immediately went into that sequence like that. But it was a very cool way to end it. Yeah. And of course, during the battle, uh, once the shipyards got, you know, got bombed, uh, the Rosiante receives uh, an evacuation uh, request using uh, codes that was uh, sourced to Amos. Yep. Ooh. And of course, so what happens? Of course, Alex flies in uh, to rescue, uh, you know, uh, Amos. And who do they discover? They discover well, Amos, who's not himself because of his repair job. Uh, then there's of course uh, Holden, which is a huge thing. And there was a nice little uh, 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 get back together with uh, with Holden and uh, and uh, uh, Naomi, right? So I think Naomi was yeah. on the ship. Yeah, it was touching. And then you have yeah. this uh, teenage girl and her dog, yep. Muskrat. Yep. I uh, love the dog, you know. And uh, yeah, so that they even jumped into the ship. Then they were leaving. Of course, uh, our our uh, new person, uh, Teresa, uh, did a solid. Right? She got. Uh, yeah. She talked her way past uh, the main ship, who's blocking things. Yep. She talked her. She, she talked them all. She talked the Lakotians into standing down and letting her go, which was awesome. So good on her. Kind of, kind of nice that the uh, new that the interim ruler of Laconia is uh, now with the resistance. Yeah. Unless unless Duarte wakes up. Yeah, and who knows what's going to happen in book nine? Book nine is going to be amazing. Yeah. The last book the, of the series. Not, I, it's going. I've all. I've all. I'm very nervous. Yeah. 
I also really like the tactics that they used in attacking Laconia, where they basically staged this, I think it lasted for months, this long, you know, game of hide-and-seek, just basically trying to lure away the final remaining Magnetar ship so that they can make their run on on the shipyards in orbit of Laconia. Yeah, They had some cool. really clever tactics in there. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, and of course, the Laconian uh, ship that uh, Teresa talked her way through through is, is called the whirlwind and they of uh-huh. course eventually decided to send missiles against the Rosiante and of course there was out of range basically and the, the missiles were destroyed so uh, uh, and of course we have some big changes at the end of uh, the book itself uh, because who's in charge well we have Admiral uh, uh, who, Trejo. Trejo yeah in charge of Laconia and we have this uh, we have we have Teresa, who's learning how to live aboard a ship. Uh, and, you know, we have Amos. And this is probably one of my favorite scenes in this book. At the very end, Amos and Holden has a discussion, right? And it goes yeah. along, you know. So, Amos, who who are you really now? Well, it's like Amos is, Amos is still the same old Amos, except that now he knows that the people who destroyed the gates are coming to kill all of humanity now, which is, you know, thanks for the heads up. Uh, thanks for the warning. Uh, this is both great and disturbing at the same time. Yeah, it's, he says, one of the things I know now is that they're going to kill everybody. Then we're, they were silent for a moment. Yeah, Holden said. Yeah, we know. I know that too. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> we're screwed. We're nice so to screwed. have some confirmation. That that was I was also you surprised also that LV oh, decided to stay behind and keep working for the Laconians. Mm. I, you know, I expected her to rabbit along with the rest of them. So yeah. that'll be a very interesting story to go through in the next book with her choosing to stay behind to try to curb the worst impulses of Trejo and the others. Yeah, yeah, I think that was I think that was partly um, Holden's doing because I think he convinced her to stay behind. Yeah. Also, that also Laconia has all of she has access to all of Laconia's resources now, and she has access to those two kids who she set free. She set free, so maybe she can start getting information that way on from from the kids, which would be kind of helpful. Yeah, and maybe with but, that. But Joel, you yeah. also forgot you also forgot one other change. You know, Naomi's now in charge of the resistance. Yeah, which is huge. Naomi's like Naomi's like an admiral now. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of good things going on, right? So we have people who, you know, you look at book one, are low-level belters doing their shtick, and now they're in, in the, the highest positions of their organizations. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so much, there's so much good good stuff going on in the face of uh, imminent disaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and how are our heroes going to get out of this? How is humanity going to survive this? It has something to do with this Rosetta Stone diamond structure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's how the book kind of wraps things up. And uh, yeah, the what ifs. We just have to wait another year before the, for the book nine to come out. Yeah, if only LV had been allowed to stay and study that diamond instead of going off and exploding things. It's almost like there's a lesson to be learned there. Yeah, do yeah. this. Do do. Yeah, don't rush. Do the work. Don't do stupid stuff. <laughs> right. Don't don't provoke don't provoke the uh, giants. Yeah. Don't wake up the sleeping dragon. Ah, yes. Yeah. Okay, guys, uh, we're pushing an hour, so uh, let's wrap things up. Uh, any last thoughts about Team Matt's Wrath, book eight of the Expanse series? 
I'm very curious to see what book nine is going to be like, because if the goths truly are this kind of non-corporeal gestalt entity like they seem to suggest in this book, that's not going to make for an incredibly interesting adversary to have to fight if it's not something you can ever have a conversation with. So I am very curious to see how they're going to be portrayed and how you're going to fight something like that and still make it be an interesting story. And I'm also really interested in seeing the continued evolution of Teresa living on the Rossi and about the effect that they're going to have on her and how she's going to change and what will happen with Laconia in the future. I'm hoping that, you know, they teach Teresa to be a good person and she goes back to Laconia and takes over and leads it as a, you know, benevolent ruler and doesn't try to enslave other worlds anymore. And I'm also very interested in seeing LV being in charge of the science division on Laconia and trying to figure out that Rosetta Stone, which I'm, I'm guessing is going to be, I, I forget if they said this in the book or not, or if she just guessed, but that it would be a repository of all the knowledge of the Romans and once they are able to read it, hopefully they'll be able to learn all of the backstory about this great and terrible ancient war and, and learn the secrets to defeating the Goths. Cool. Kara, your last thoughts? I, at the risk of the world ending, I, I kind of agree with Derek. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very nervous about what's going to, I mean, I've been, I, every, I mean, I've been, I was nervous about Tiamat's Wrath as much as I love it. Uh, I just knowing where, um, seeing how, how, um, oh, what's the word, um, arrogantly stupid people can be and how they, how think that, uh, certain things that probably aren't the best idea could be good. That, yeah, that, it, it makes me nervous where we're going to end up in book nine. Yeah, I can't wait for book nine. I, I, I want to know about the cots. I want to know the backstory there. I want to be able to read Latin, so to speak, and, and figure out you know the Romans work as well. And yeah, I like the big picture stuff because there's no place to hide. It's they're gonna, right. they're gonna kill everyone, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm looking forward to. This is this is the this is the shadow and Vorlon war uh, on a ginormous scale, yeah. where it's like they like the like the shadow like the shadows of the Vorlons aren't even tried to um, co-opt people, uh, the humans into into helping them out. They're just gonna kill each other, and we are going to either die along with them or stop the stop the war somehow and this time there's no vorlons around to help us at all exactly yeah so on this there is probably molecule well with these deep thoughts i think i need to go to the bar so uh guys let's uh wrap things up so uh, we're gonna close are we not in the bar right now we are i'm going to go into a different bar like a real bar (laughs) (laughs) what's wrong with our bar Uh... Yeah, yeah. I may have had too much to drink last night. Just saying. Okay, uh, so uh, join our Discord server. I mentioned that at the top of the show. Uh, if you want to invite, check out our social media. Uh, the bar is always open for the podcast community and for our customers. Our social media for the Sci-Fi Pubcast, where well, we're at on Twitter, at Sci-Fi Pubcast. Uh, we have an email called management at Sci-Fi Pubcast.space. You can use email. I know it's kind of old-fashioned nowadays. Uh, we have a Facebook account, uh, which is managed by Derek. Derek, you're doing a great job on that, by the way. Why, thank you. Yes. Uh, I also do an Instagram for the Sci-Fi Pubcast, which is more focused towards drink, food, and anything restaurant-related. 
the Crash Couch and Expense podcast. Well, they have a Twitter address at the Crash Couch. Check them out. Uh, they're a great show. We can't wait for uh, the next season of the Expense to come on Amazon Prime. So we'll be having uh, shows on on the Expense, the new series. Uh, Carrie, what's your Twitter address? My Twitter handle is Carrie Blackfire42. That's K E R I Blackfire42. And again, I apologize for my language. I'm the the coffee kicked in, and I'm just you know feisty today, I guess. Yes, there's that. Uh, it's okay to be feisty, Carrie. Really, it is. Oh, uh, thank you. Anytime. Uh, Derek, what's your Twitter uh, handle slash address slash name? I'm at Derek J B B. Right, and my uh, Twitter address is at Joel underscore Welch. That's it, folks. Uh, thank you for listening. If you make it to this point, uh, we really do appreciate you. It's closing time. Please make it home safe. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.